Chapter Eleven of Geoffrey the Knight and the Fair Brunissande by Jean Bernard Marie Lafont. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Court of Carlisle. Lord Melian and his troop were still encamped upon the borders of the magic pond. Judge their surprise, their shouts, their whirl of joy, when, mid a numerous train, Sir Geoffrey rose. As for fair Brunissande, so great the emotion which such change produced, it found no vent in words, but in a swoon she fell into his arms. Geoffrey related how the fairy's art had to her country led him through the deep and darksome waters, how he had vanquished her great giant foe, and gained the wondrous hawk for the good king. Then, the recital o'er, they gaily took their way, and at the peep of the next following morn they saw fair Carlisle's towers. Leaving their train a little way behind, Geoffrey and Melian, clad in armour bright, pranced on the glasses with eight chosen knights. Such a bravado at King Arthur's court could not unnoticed pass. Quex, the high seneschal, soon crossed the bridge, and meeting Geoffrey cried, Good sooth, sir knight, thou shalt repent thy coming. "'Tis thou shalt feel repentance more than I,' responded Geoffrey, who divined the man, and meeting him full speed, did with such strength and art assail Sir Quex, he hurled him to the ground. As he essayed to struggle to his feet, he reeled a pace, then fell, while Geoffrey cried, "'Why, how now, jolly Quex, what sayst, art drunk?' Gawain had now appeared upon the field, spurring his horse to join in the affray. Sir Geoffrey went to meet the worthy lord, and as he yielded up Sir Quex's horse, "'To you alone, good knight,' he said, "'I yield.' Gawain then knew the voice of Dovon's son, and pressed him in his arms, which, when his squire had learnt, he flew to take the tidings to the king. Good Arthur, overjoyed, then left his halls, and with a gallant host of knights and lords came forth to honour Tolad's vanquisher. Fair Brunissonde he courteously did greet with all her train, then, smiling, said to Geoffrey, Hath, then, our seneschal, on you his horse thus generously bestowed? My lord, the son of Dovon made reply, perchance you may remember, on the day I begged you arms to follow Tolad's track, Sir Quex exclaimed, I'd fight him better drunk. T'was then my wish to teach him, good my lord, how I can strike when fasting, he is well struck, methinks, the king replied, and may the lesson stead him. Saying the words, he led Sir Geoffrey in to good Queen Guinevere, who, as she tended him her rosy cheek, thanked him with warmth for having venged her cause on Tola. King Arthur on his side did give him thanks for all the precious gifts he there had sent, fair white ashen lance, the yeoman's dwarf, and e'en the lepers too, Estude of Effay, and the captive knights Melian, and Taulas numerous prisoners, with Felon d'Albaru. Then was the convent church most richly decked, to which the king in pomp conducted him with the fair Brunissonde. More than a score of thousand gallant knights the fair betrothed accompanied. The good archbishop who had chanted mass before the altar joined the happy pair, then to the palace back again they came, 
and the great feast began at trumpet sound lucas the royal steward with twenty thousand pages clad in vests of scarlet silk bearing fine snowy cloths vases of silver and rich cups of gold flocked to the hall to furnish forth the boards already harps had tinkled minstrels tried to charm their hearers with the gay romance when straight into the hall a squire rushed crying aloud to arms good lords to arms defend your lives but hast thou seen good friend king arthur said o oh, sire i have seen a bird a wondrous bird which never man of mother born described he hath a beak at least ten palms in length and a huge head large as a fisher's boat his eyes like carbuncles or diamond shine and then his feet good sooth without a lie they are as big as big as yonder door i know not how i did escape his maw but ne'er methinks was i so near my death bring me my arms exclaimed the gallant king that i may learn whether this squire hath lied gawain sir joffrey and sir melian fain would follow him to help but he forbade and thus alone did quit the castle scarce had he crossed the bridge when he beheld this marvellous great bird he quietly drew nigh his shield on arm his sword within his hand but spreading its grand wings the bird escaped a blow full promptly aimed and by both arms embracing tight the king rose with its prey full swiftly in the air ladies and knights despairingly rushed out and o'er the country spread with rending cries the bird still rose and when in bulk it seemed no bigger than a crane it then the king let go the crowd all breathless hastened to the spot where they expected that their king would fall crushed from that dizzy height not so ere that he reached the ground the bird had deftly seized on him again and to the summit of a lofty tower borne him in ease away reposing there a space with rapid wing it flew towards the wood wheeled with a graceful flight then to the palace brought the king again itself returning to a human shape that of the fair enchanter whom arthur pardoned as he had done at pentecost the fright his trick had caused and thus did close the joyous nuptial feast of brave sir joffrey and fair brunisonde the morrow morn they left the merry court and all the train which called sir melian lord escorted back in triumph to montbrun that happy pair meeting upon their way the lady of the pond she was in fact the fairy of gibel who there had come to bless their life and love End of chapter eleven End of Geoffrey the Knight and the Fair Brunissande by Jean Bernard Marie Lafont Translated by Alfred Elwes Read by Phil Benson in Sydney, Australia